Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joes, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Must have been cold there in my shadow. God. It's like <gasps> it's Natalie, like do you wear a titsling or do you wear a pussy? How dare you <laughs> sing that song when we are obviously opening with wind beneath my fucking wings. Welcome to Beaches. It's Beaches. I just cried and yeah. it had nothing to do with Beaches. No. So I am here. I am prepared. Open up thine hearts. Open up thine fucking brains. Yeah, I've said the F word twice. This is a, this is a, ooh, this is a crazy version of you Beaches know, my, we're talking about. My favorite, my favorite Jackie is unhinged. I and feel we've unhinged. got an unhinged Jackie right now. There is an F bomb at the end of Beaches because yeah. usually I was watching it on cable, but then we bought it or rented it to watch it this time. She says fucking at the end of it. And she I does. was scandalized. Yes. Well, I will just say this, Jackie and Natalie. Did you, you ever know, know that you're, you're my hero? And everything <laughs> I would like to be. Holden, you're making a really direct eye contact with me right I now. It's upsetting. Than that. Look at me, eagle. Natalie, do not break eye contact. For you, you are, are the wind beneath my wings. <laughs> You're both the wind. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm sorry, I got lost in the moment there. I uh, liked it, though. I got lost in the we moment there. We did it together because it's beautiful. friendship. Yeah, that's We did it all together is. for friendship. You think you'll cry if I fucking die of fucking I woman cancer? I am the CC. Get fucking over it. Oh. I'm the CC, and although- You mean I, the better one? Whoa. Look, just because my entire family belonged to a racket and swim club growing up does not make me uh, what's her name? Hillary, how dare you? <laughs> holding, holding you are Hillary. You're such a honest. fucking Hillary. You're I'm Hillary. the Hillary. So lame. You're such a housewife. Not that Ugh. there's anything wrong no, with it. I would wrong with it. love to be a housewife. Yeah, well, maybe there's a little something wrong with it. Can we agree a little bit on that? Because I want DMs this week. I have so <laughs> I, I want new shitty DMs this week. So I'm, so we I'm so excited. I'm so excited to talk about about beaches. Um, nobody cares about beaches. I will just started with this. We, this, we do. We, we do. do. I'm going to say collectively between <laughs> pop history and Wizard of the Bruiser, this may have had the least amount of stuff in terms of research fodder that I've ever seen, which shocks me because even though I was never this like huge 
you know, Beaches Beach guy. Yeah. I always knew about this movie and and thought there was easily going to be like an oral history of the I making. I thought it was going to be in my brain. It's like a terms of endearment. Yes. Like it is right. a quintessential like character based movie that that is that kind of withstands the test of time. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. it's very upsetting that apparently that's not the case. <laughs> but the case is to us and we're still doing the but damn episode. I think yeah. that is the case for so many, I mean, men and women, but especially women around the world. <gasps> I feel like I and I, I know I'm being brave right now, you and I'm are. Them a little bit. And housewives are like, whatever, right? Are we going to agree on that? Right? Oh no, it's a very <laughs> difficult job, and one that I would like to have, but again, <laughs> but again, let's talk about beaches. I um, I, I, okay, and you guys maybe already got upset with me, so I was like, well, I didn't like cry, cry, but I definitely got very emotional. The movie it works its wonders. It, it does its charms. Also, Holden had never seen it before. I'd never seen it, but I also had a little bit of a foreshadowing because I was trying to get a jump on research before it makes I was me so upset. Before I, I was able to watch it. The, when we decided what? Beaches, I was like, Holden, I saw that you started research. I hope that. And he's like, I know. I know what happens in the end. It was. Oh. I, 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 I was like totally fine. And then, literally, like, I think the day I was planning to watch it, I pulled up an article. It was just the first line of the article was just like, when Hillary dies, right at the end. I was like, wow. Why did Jeez Louise. Why would the article do that to us? But what, how did you, I'm way more interested in how Jeff reacted because you said Jeff's never had no clue what this was going to happen. Henry also never saw it. Never, which is ridiculous that Henry never saw it as well because my mom is obsessed with Bette Midler and we, I have seen, I think that's also the thing. I've seen the movie with Mm -hmm. my mom, I think 60 times, but also Bette Midler worked with Barry Manilow for a long time. So that's Barry Manilow is where my mom and I's Venn diagram intersect. So I, that is where the Bette Midler love comes from. But Jeff knew, he's like, I know that Bette Midler's in it and I know that you love it. So I would assume that it is sad. And I was like, (laughs) interesting assumption. Uh And, but the second that scene when Hillary is sitting on the bed and yeah. the daughter is in the room with her and I start just like, <laughs> oh yeah. And he's like, you're going already. He's like, yes. <laughs> it's almost, I, it's almost like, I can't, already. it's like, like you're it's, coming. A prepar- <laughs> it's a preparatory cry. I, yeah. I can't not it's a do it. I, I've never watched that movie not cry during that part. I can't not. I was like laughing. I was crying so hard. I was like, yeah, I, I was in such a great mood. I was like, there's no way. I was like, I'm not going to cry. Right. You've seen this many times. Gonna you know exactly what's going to happen. I know. Man, alive. It is just. Because I hadn't seen it in a while. And I was just like, oh, this is like this first time I've watched it. I am crying the same level of cry. It's so, when I was like 12. It was, but it, talking with Jeff about it was so interesting because we have a lot of the conversations that we talk about on this show a lot of how there were movies for girls and movies mm-hmm. for boys. And yes. he was told that he would never like this, this movie. The movie was movie. not for him. Right. And so he just never did. And he's like, it's such a beautiful character study yeah. mm-hmm. of these two people because. I have this friend. I've got the best friend who I've been friends with through many parts of our lives and we'll probably go through that. You can say it's me. It's fine. You can say it's Holden. It's Madeline. I love you, Madeline, if you're listening. (laughs) Yeah, whatever, Madeline. You're dead to me now. But Madeline, I always assume, like, I was always like, I'm the CC. I'm the CC. Right. And it's interesting, though, because But Madeline is no wasp. We shall say that as well. No, she's not the Hillary. I'm scared of her physically. (laughs) Now, Um. I do feel like 
we have switched roles in our adult lives where mm. she is more of the CC mm. and I am more of the Hillary. And yes. I was like, Whoa. because yeah. you got they, domesticated. I domesticated. Blurred lines. Don't sing blurred lines. Not while we are talking oh, about no. beaches. <laughs> no, we are owned by no man except. <laughs> We uh, are sometimes. I have and that, I've had that friendship too. Right? Uh, except that my never recovered and also she's still alive and uh, I was not successful on Broadway. But everything else <laughs> pretty much, else is much spot on. And it is, um, it's interesting because we'll get into the talk about how it was based on a novel, but Iris Rainer Dart, yes. was, the novel was way more syrupy than this movie is. And when, at, well, we'll get into it, but it's interesting because Iris Rainer Dart wanted to more highlight the, the only the beautiful sides of feminine friendships mm. and not deal with the fact that I have had that knock down, drag out, real shit convo with Madeline. Of course, sure. Twice in our friendship. It happened twice. The first time we didn't talk for two years afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, we've had that of like, saying the real shit. Yeah. And we've gotten past it. It is, it's such a beautiful story. I love beaches. Sorry, now I'm, I'm not got- in therapy. I don't need to talk about my best <laughs> friendship. But it does bring up these feelings yes, in me. Yes, of course. I, am I a failure as a woman because I we did not recover our friendship? <laughs> no, not at all. Know, yeah, I don't know. Maybe she, uh, well, I was going to make the joke from the earlier, but I won't say it. No, Maybe please she's Beaches. <laughs> yes. Holden has been calling us, hey, beaches. He's been doing um, a lot of bitch talk. <laughs> I love it, though. And I would like to ap- apply my bravery a little bit. I, I would like I, to Holden apply Holden plan to write, direct, and produce Man Beaches. Okay. It's like called it Man Beaches. It's just called Man Beaches. Oh, it's not Beaches. It's Meaches. We're going to Meaches. I was going to call it Man Beaches, oh, but okay. Meaches. Right. Or we Menches, like Men Beaches. Menches, but Mitch means something else, It too. does, but it's perfect for the for the Jewish side of everything. <laughs> I'm not making it about Jewish men. Oh, my God. Remember when they were singing the Christmas carols <laughs> yes, together? Yes, I loved that. I did love that, actually. because Especially recently, because... I I we all felt very alone on Christmas, and that yes. actually I had a, I, I feel like we all went through a similar vibe of what that Christmas scene was with them, like just digging deep on Christmas songs together, just because you're like we have to figure we it have out. Nothing else. It's not going to feel we've like also it. Also, all of course been very poor on Christmas. Yes. And been oh, like baby, shivering in our shitty apartments, just being like, I remember Christmas times. It'll happen again probably someday. I've also walked into a shitty apartment and 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 in every way it should have been like a nightmare situation for me. And all I could think was, I'm free. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Like you're like Hillary because yeah, you're you Hillary. Are Hillary. I'm so Hillary. You're the Hillary. <laughs> Ugh, my dad's a lawyer, so that makes sense. Oh my god, you yeah. are the Hillary. I am such the Hillary. Rack and swim club, bro. Come on. I went to a private school. Um. Well, in every I way, will... I am so punchable, and I just somehow <laughs> no. managed to only get punched in the face and by I'm a stranger. This to you now. I will raise your daughter like she is my own. Thank you. You're welcome. You can <laughs> write me you. down. Write me in. Um, she dies in the end. <laughs> the and daughter? No. <laughs> we don't Hillary know. Hillary dies, and it's very the daughter sad. dies in the sequel, Beaches 2. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, go fuck yourself. Yeah, go fuck. Good one. 
Good one, Hill. Start calling him Hill. And so regardless of anything, even though it is the it's such a quintessential woman's movie written by women, starring with women. Literally still, produced by a production company that is ironically titled All Girl Productions and, because they're making yes. fun of the term girls, but it is all women that run it with Bette Midler. Like, it's really exemplary. It's really... But directed still by... Still directed man, by fucking Gary Marshall. But, you know, Gary Marshall kind of has, like, he, he has a whole empire of chick flicks, quote unquote. Because he, he did Pretty Woman, Princess Diaries. And he, 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 grew up with, and he grew up with two sissies. Yeah, he's very female-driven. fucking Marshall's his sister, yeah, man. Completely. But, and I don't know how future generations will take Gary Marshall movies, but I grew up on them, and I love... His movies. He's I also do. a really that. funny actor. I loved yeah, him hilarious. in Soap Hocus Dish. Focus. Oh yes, and Hocus Pocus. And Hocus Pocus. Married to his what? His sister in the it's so, it's Soap Dish. He's like, I had a buddy the other day. Call it the sun also sucks. I would I love. I want I, to do my Soap My dad dish. and I used to watch Soap Dish like any time it was on. Done. I, I just added soap it dish. to the list. We oh, are going to be got doing some soap problematic dish. stuff in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. No way. Nurse Nan. Uh, oh my god. Gary Marshall makes a little voice cameo in Beaches. Did you catch it? No. no. When she does her audition, when she's when uh, right before the guy comes on, Kesara. Yeah. He's it's the auditioner's Gary Marshall. Oh. Great. Awesome. Well, there you go. There's your first factoid of the day, ladies and gentlemen, as we move into our our fact brain notes. Fact brain notes. Or Beaches. Our, our segment called Fact Brain Notes. Fact Brain Notes. Beaches is a 1988 American comedy drama film based on the 1985 novel of the same name by Iris Rayner Dart and adapted to film by Mary Agnes Donahue. It was directed by Gary Marshall, stars Bette Midler, Barbara Hershey, Mayim Bialik, John Hurd, James. James Reed, Spalding Gray, and Lainey Kazan. I love Lainey Kazan. Oh, that's the fact bird saying you just got told. <laughs> Thank you, bird. <laughs> but first, we got to dip into Iris Rainier Dart's novel that this was based on. Now, she had a very, I went down a weird Iris Rainier Dart. You oh. found some stuff. I will say, Natalie, she was born I in Pittsburgh. Know. I found that out through this. Pity. Yeah. Pity, pity girl. <laughs> What? That's it. That's what I had to say. Interesting. <laughs> and early on, she was an actress in a local theater group. Rainer Dart said about her Jewish upbringing, I grew up in a household where both my parents were immigrants. My mother from Russia, father from Lithuania, and they spoke more Yiddish in my house than English. So it was just a completely a part of who I was. That's what I love, too, is I read a lot about how she believes that the Yiddish culture really influenced the humor in her family. And she said the Yiddish culture was an enormous part of it. The exquisite humor of that culture was woven into the fabric of our lives. It was growing up knowing about Yiddish films, songs, and theater that made me a comedy writer. And it was the same sensibility that inspired the great comics and comedy writers of the bygone eras. I learned that the ability to have a sense of humor, even during the horrific times of adversity, was a characteristic of the Jews. There you go. Uh, do, do you have anything before college? No. Okay. <laughs> but she really wanted to act, but apparently she wasn't very good. She went to well, Car she, Carnegie Car Mellon University for theater. Which, which is, is a huge, very huge school. Great big school. deal program. Absolutely. And also, I know the, most of those theater companies that are mentioned she grew up in, they're like very established, still around today, Play like Pittsburgh Playhouse and stuff like yeah, that. But yeah, apparently sure. she had a pretty debilitating 
stage fright issue. And so she was given the least likely to succeed at Carnegie ah, Mellon. What? Because she could, dealing her with her fear of public appearances Wait, was very chose- difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody yes. for that? Yep, she got least likely to succeed. Man, wow. Thanks, cool. <laughs> yeah. guys. And she had to go through years of therapy to um to be able to even go on her book tours later on because she just had she was dealing with a lot of stage fright. Wow. Maybe it's because she got the least likely to succeed <laughs> award. Yeah, in college. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> no, I think it's good. Knock them down young. Make sure they have no hope. Florida State School of Theater. <laughs> oh, don't, don't tell even. you that much. No, it'll certainly. Ugh, ugh. too fat to be uh anyone. To be in love with me. Too That's what they fun. I was told too me. fun. I was too fun. I didn't. I wasn't too serious and and uh, fucking stoic but and muscular. What she did realize <laughs> was that she really wanted to be writing theater instead. She was way more into being a writer. She said, "I realized I had a flair for writing, and I was much happier sitting in the back of a theater correcting my work than going on stage and worrying about how I look." And dude, do I understand that statement? I hear that. I hear all that because I've been working hard to chisel up, and it is just a dr- it is just a drastic nightmare. I saw you with all those rock tools, Ugh, I and know. it said, "Do you smell what I'm cooking?" Yeah. I said, "That's a spatula." I'm a real and that's Fred not going to chisel anything. <laughs> real Fred Flintstone over oh, here. Are I'm you doing? A- are you doing the prison chain gang yes, workout? Exactly. I'm using <laughs> a bird as a telephone. It's just ridiculous what's going on. But uh, in the oh, it's 70s, a fat bird. <laughs> yeah. oh my god, that bird's everywhere. In the seventies, she wrote for the Sonny and Cher show, and- which is awesome. She's one of the few women writers writing for the head of a of a huge television. Show. I, did, I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea we were going to be doing this a Cher connection. Here. Like we just did Cher, right? Didn't that just happen? Yes, we just did Cher, but we that's why thank goodness she is not the lead in Beaches or else we would be talking about Cher even more. But um, Iris Rainer Dart had a real rough time working on the Sunny and Cher show because she was one of the only female writers and she took critique very, very poorly. And they really did heap a lot on her in the writing room. And a lot of the failures were blamed on her and things like that. But she really was, she created a close relationship with Cher while writing for the show. And so she ultimately wrote Beaches. For her. She got the, the idea. idea. Yeah, she got the idea to write about a woman, quote, loosely based on the no holds barred, outrageous person that she found in Cher. The character, of course, became Cece Bloom. And uh, she was apparently the at one point she was the only writer on the show. Um, and uh, she also was inspired by her own cousin. She said, my cousin Sandy once said to me, when one of us dies, I hope it'll be me first because I couldn't live in a world without you in it, which is so in that. It's, I, can't, I just can't imagine someone saying that to me. I just no. feel like I'm, <laughs> no. I can't handle it. Like, I feel like that's a hate. That's this a pressure. Also, this that also is. reminds me of Madeline, too. The cousin also said, if you came to my door and said, I just killed 20 people, I'd say they probably provoked you. Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, oh, oh, friendship. <laughs> I um, don't know. That sounds like a toxic friendship. <laughs> and this is what I was um gearing up towards earlier that I said that I would save it for later. So Iris Rainier Dart wrote the novel and was also asked to write the screenplay Ah, for Beaches originally. That would make sense. She already had a job in television. Yes. She knows how to write. So the studio had asked me to write it and I turned it down. 
She said, I knew they would change too much of the story. I watched them shoot a scene that I never would have written. It was a cat fight set in a department store. I don't write cat fights. I'm a feminist. Beth said, do you feel sad every time you see a scene that isn't in your book? I said, honey, look around and see all the people working because of an idea that danced across my mind. And honey, you're starring in a movie of my book. How bad can it be? Hey, so, that's yeah, cool. That's a good I, outlook. I think it's an awesome outlook of it. Yeah. But I also appreciate the fact that she was willing to give over a, a book that was very close to her because she wanted it to be more of the sentimentality of female friendship. But I love those scenes. I know. I think that is what makes the dynamic of these characters grow. It doesn't come off. I think also saying cat fight is unfair. Yeah, they weren't just like pulling their earrings off and saying like, fuck you. You're you're fat. Yeah, they were like saying shit like that. It was real shit. And that is how I, I don't, that is how I have found in my female friendships how women fight with yeah. each other. Yeah. Is that it is more It's like biting. Visceral. It's biting and it's like quiet sometimes. Yeah. So you're saying the worst things. Yes. <laughs> and I've just like, even as I'm saying this, I'm having like flashbacks yeah, I hate sometimes. It. I'm so <laughs> glad I don't have to do but that you as much. do because you do have to deal with me yeah, and I know. I'm very uh, straightforward. And it is, I would say, a form of psychological abuse. And so <laughs> I'm actually asking for help right now if anybody could help uh, me. I can't hear. Is there a ghost in the room? Wow. <laughs> wow. You, what a couple of beaches. <laughs> well, so Rainier Dart fully accepts the fact that in film and on television, writers don't have the same clout that they have in the theater unless they're also producers and or directors like Tina Fey. She says theater has another major virtue in her experience. She's not encountered any ageism. She said, I only wanted to write for the theater from now on. Theater enables me to be my age and work. Hell yeah. Nice. Love it. It's like a Slap a guffaw on there. So in comes Mary Agnes Donahue, who ends up adapting our screenplay. Donahue was born in Queens, New York City, started out working in various secretarial jobs while following her passion on the side as a short story writer and poet. Her first screenplay credit is the 1984 comedy drama The Buddy System. This starred Susan Sarandon, Richard Dreyfus, and is about a cautious single mother who forms an unlikely friendship with her son's school security guard. And then right after that, she adapts beaches and when she was asked about her motivation for writing beaches she said it was simple i've never seen a relationship between women portrayed on screen that resembled anything i've ever known whenever women are portrayed together on scene they're seen as harpies lone huntresses competitive and fighting they never show affection or allegiance they're she wolves out there hunting down their best interests she said she changed beaches considerably from the novel by iris rainier dart because I've made the story more realistic. The plot is less melodramatic than the book. I wrote a film about what makes the relationship work, not what divides it. Women friendships are among the most important relationships in a lifetime. Women never fight about men, but that's what movies are always trying to say. It's true. Bechdel test, am I right? Uh, yeah, yep. th- that's exactly what we talked about. Talk, Jeff and I talked about that. Bechdel test, yeah. which is ridiculous that so many movies still don't pass the Bechdel test. And that's actually, shout out to Nomadland that was nominated this year. That was actually one of the biggest proponents or, or one of the biggest qualities of that film it was trying to promote was like, hey, this is super like not a 
super passable Bechtel test movie. Strong female characters. There's never, even there was a part where I thought there was going to be a romantic thing just because my natural instinct is to take it there because of the way film is. And there is, but there's, it's devoid of any like, will they, won't they, you know, stuff or whatever. No, because that's not, that's not what Beach is about. Yeah. It's not the will they, won't they. It is actually more the opposite of that of like a, Oh, please don't. Oh, girl, please yeah. don't. Every time men get involved, you're kind of like, ugh, get this guy out of here. Yes, I, I, kinda. A little and, bit. Especially with the ones, and I think that it also does really show where I think a lot of people had the idea that, like, that wouldn't happen. A woman wouldn't be able to let go of the fact that she slept with him. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be able to let go of the fact that he wanted her first. But... We've all found ourselves in those situations. Uh, of course, it's just, it's just all life. you broads are fucking and sucking and passing around all these. Oh, we pop and- them. They're hot pop potatoes. You know what I mean? <laughs> give me like, that papa. Give me that papa. Yeah. I think maybe some more traditional like male gaze stories do just kind of decide that. The women would, of course, be fighting over this hot dick. Yeah. Right here. That's what they're talking about, right? right? Yeah, I always refer to John Hurd as that hot dick. That hot D. (laughs) (laughs) He does. I would say this is his cutest. He is cute. Yeah. yeah. He is in this, for sure. Um, Enter Gary Marshall, the one filthy man involved in all this. (laughs) Born in the Bronx. His father was a director of industrial films, and he had two sisters who also wanted to get into the business of show. Marshall said, I grew up with two sisters, no brothers. There was Ronnie, who produced Happy Days for me, and my sister Penny, who acts, directs. She does everything. So they were very, there were very strong women in my life. I do think it's fun, too, though, because Gary Marshall obviously was a director of Laverne and Shirley with Penny Marshall, and they had a Real rough go. Of oh, it. really? Uh, they well, they I did mean, not get along well. We're talking about an older brother and a younger sister and a creative working anything. relationship I don't know anything about it. But they at least they got through that. And they, they got through yeah, it. Yeah, no, it was just right. it was a tumultuous time for both of them. But they did still work together. And Penny, Penny Marshall also has a really great autobiography, and she also had issues with um, what's the other lead actress's name? Um, they also were going through their own shit. So there was a lot happening, but they managed to all, like, you know, get through the other side of it. Figured it out. I think it was Francine Genitals, I believe was her name. Francine Genitals, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Marshall also Frankie said... Frankie V. Yeah, Frankie yeah, yeah. V. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Chapter 1. Wayfair welcomes you to the neighborhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the neighborhood," she said, where Wafer helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love chapter two. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home. 
They also, uh, uh, Gary Marshall also said uh, about his sisters and his family, they were good examples. My mother worked all of her life. She was a dance teacher. And I also noticed, to be honest, that most of the male directors wanted to blow things up so there was like an open area for someone who wanted to direct women movies, uh, chick flicks, whatever you, I don't call them chick flicks. Is what he said. Yes, he doesn't call them, which is for the best. But Probably. he still does refer to the women um, of Beaches as the girls um, in multiple interviews. Sure. And I do find it a little... It's he, old he's school still Hollywood. It old is, school it is. Bronx, yeah. dude. I, I have a couple more funny quotes I was saving for like later. But he's got it. You can tell he's still old school. But you, it's one of those where at least, I, I mean, I, in a place of privilege, could be like... I give it a little bit of a pat. You know what I mean? Well, it was just, it was different. It was, I know it sounds, I hate when people say this all the time, but it was a different time. Sure. It wasn't, yeah, he was born in probably, he's like born in the 30s. And you know, it's like, that was a different time. And he still was down, and obviously it's like he's a smart businessman at the same time. He sees there's like an opening for this type of film, but but still, he's still out there making movies that women do appreciate. I just don't want the Princess Diaries to be canceled, okay? I please. <laughs> uh, he actually started out as a joke writer for comedians and later The Tonight Show. And when he moved to Hollywood, he got into the sitcom writing biz and adapted The Odd Couple into a TV show. I can't believe what this guy was involved in. He helped create Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Mork and Mindy. This is all through the 70s. Then he moves over to film in the in the 80s. He does the comedy Young Doctors in Love, which I kind of want to check out because it looks ridiculous. And his first hit film was The Flamingo Kid. And then he did Overboard, which I feel oh, like yeah. we'll end up doing Overboard at some point oh, yeah. as well. Oh, Overboard's great. Uh, classic, right? And then he does Beaches. Marshall said, I think what I brought to it was certainly a male point of view in the sense that a lot of pictures about women's friendship, the guys in the picture are always rotten guys. And that's not really honest. So in this picture, some of the guys are rotten. Some of the guys are <laughs> terrific guys. <laughs> that's the, I think that's the glaring issue we've seen in these woman films. It's like, the come on, the men are so poorly represented. Wouldn't well, you agree? <laughs> I mean, I do, I do think that, like, quote-unquote chick flicks are pandering in a way that is insulting to men, too. I men think. are, like, cartoonishly terrible. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, well, maybe, you know, maybe if you film this in a little bit more of an honest light, this would be, like, a little more interesting. Yes, and, sure. and show more of an actual dynamic. But I do love when he was asked, how do you treat female actors differently, like when you worked on Beaches? And he said, you gotta remember first, it's a girl. A lot of people forget that. There's a difference. Even God realized that. I think more with a girl, Uh-oh. you have to say. Yeah, this is just so hilarious. This is so hilariously like would not hold it's not, water in 2021. And he says, I think more with a girl, you have to say, I love your work. I love you. You're going to be good. It's fine. You're going to be all right. Afterward, I hug everybody. I oh, like no. hugging. I Ass and I hug them really hard because in the moments they're working, they're very vulnerable. They sure. need a hug. Yeah. So again, flip oh, this no. up from because I do understand. Like I, I'm sure that it was more of a paternal. Sure. I don't thing. think he was like feeling their boobies or anything. It doesn't yeah. seem. Honestly, I was looking. I was looking to be like. He, he's not a bad, is he? I don't he? think but he I, is. I don't think he is. I mean, he um, did make Breast Touchers 3 after this one. Yeah, but so. that was, you know, that's a professional job. <laughs> it was about the female experience, still. I just can't believe they made the third one. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, and uh, classically, of course, a man would do this. Donahue and Marshall clashed a lot, and uh, to a point where he actually fired her, and he hired a team of his own comedy writers, again, I think 
dude bras from New York. And um, Marshall responded by going to the head, or not Marshall, uh, Donahue responded by going to the head of the studio. And the studio asked her, just wait. He was, the studio head that she, she was, in this anecdote, she says, studio head was like, do you think they can write a better script than you? And she was like, absolutely fucking not. And he was like, all right, then just wait. Three weeks later, no one's happy with the material that's coming out of this writing team. Bette Midler's having a fucking shit fit. Everyone's pissed off. And so Gary Marshall, he uh, he ends up uh, bringing back uh, uh, Mary Agnes's script and going with that. But in the end, she did feel the final result was, quote, far too sentimental. Gary Marshall chopped away at the details. The script was actually quite tough. And, uh, yeah, after that, Donahue ended up uh, opting to produce and direct her own stuff moving forward because of this experience. I so. would, I, It would be interesting to see her take on the story, but I do, I do enjoy the beaches that we received. Right? For sure. And I think it, it is very interesting just to read about this because Jack and I were talking about just how hilariously, like, she didn't, wasn't happy with the final result. Bette Midler, like, hated Wind Beneath My Wings when she first heard oh, it. Oh, hated it. Yeah, she didn't want to <laughs> sing it. Like, it was one of those disheartening research jobs where you're like, oh, everybody thought this sucked. It may be so sad, and we'll <laughs> yeah. even get to the end when, like, Gary Marshall wouldn't even go in for the screening yeah. of the movie. Like, really? Man! But it's a great movie. <laughs> it really he is. It. And I, I, I think Wind Beneath My Wings is incredibly sappy, but it yes. works for seeing a young woman die. It works for that. Oh, for that, the, it, even though it is kind of hilarious how it talks about how you exist in my shadow and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's sort of like you're like, uh, and it, but it works for the relationship. Like, DC was always the star, and there always has to be that like. I hate to liken it to alpha and beta, but there always has to be like that like right. big big personality matches really well with a a more subtle personality. It's what brought out that. Part, the fire of Hillary. Yeah. She needed yeah. her. They needed each other. Yeah. Oh, oh they needed each God. other. They needed it. To be whole. Oh. Well, she's a dead woman now. No. Did you? I was thinking about when we were watching it. So her kid would now be like there. Like, she would be like in her 40s, wouldn't yeah, she at this sure. point? Yeah. Miami Balik or whatever her name is. No, no, not Mayim Bialik. The Veronica, girl, the little girl. The little girl. But even, uh, yeah, but I mean, both of them. Oh, yeah, right? Mayim Bialik, yes. She's, I think, almost. Ah, uh, she's old. I'm not even going to try to guess her age. Whoa, she's young. She's I like fine. this. That's she's a very old. scary no, game to play. Old. Yeah, yeah. She ain't old. Uh, she's not old at all, but it's fun that she still uh, remembers her time fondly on beaches and shared like a like an updated uh, an old picture of the of her on set and stuff. She's fantastic cool. in it. She literally said like, as soon as someone told me I could be a young Bette Midler, I knew I actually had talent. Like it was sure. one of those where it was like this gig showed her like, oh, I can do this. If someone thinks I could be even a, a, a fraction of Bette Midler. Then and and let's bring Bet in, right? Shall we? Yes. She's the other major, one of the other major players in this, and her all-girl productions we'll get to too, because that Ooh. the three women behind that, which her included in that, is such a big part of what made this movie. I'm going to go ahead and say it right now: we will be doing a Bet Midler. We're doing episode. a Cliff's Notes of, of Bet Midler today because we will absolutely be doing probably a multi-parter on Bet Midler. But I will say, uh, we talk about a. 
dynamo. Yeah, she's great. Started oh out God. in New York City in the mid-60s, studying under Uta Hagen at the HB Studio. I feel like we have brought up Uta Hagen and the HB Studio for so many people oh, coming yeah. up. By the way, read Uta Hagen's book on acting. It is incredible if you want to get into the into the biz. And uh, she went on to do plays and musicals on and off Broadway. Her first album, The Divine Miss M, was released in 1972. It was co-produced by Barry Manilow, who <gasps> championed her talents as her arranger and music coordinator, and he was like a big part of her getting her big start as a solo artist. Her first film was in 1979. I really want to see it, entitled The Rose. Jackie, have you seen The Rose? <laughs> this, is Bette Miller being Janice, this is Bette Miller being Janis Joplin. I saw what? a clip of yes. it, and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Wait, what? Oh, She's not yeah. actually Janis Joplin. She just plays a character like clearly Oh, like Clannis Coplin? Yeah, she plays Clannis Coplin. And it got an Oscar oh, really? nom. Put her, you know, help put her on the map early on, and uh, and it's great. We should see it. Yeah. Okay, we'll watch it. I'll watch but, that. Uh, her next film, though, Jinxed, released in 1982, which is hilarious. It was called Jinxed because uh, it was this massive flop and really caused her first dip in her career. It was also an awful experience for her. She had issues with both her co-star and director. I bet that scene in Beaches was modeled after her experience on that film, oh, actually. Oh, shit. Where she clashed, where CC clashes yeah. with the director and the co-star. She punches him in the face. Right? And she didn't do another film for four years after that. It was such a bad experience. Wow. And instead, she opted to focus on her music career. She has this big comeback record, No Frills. She's um, That features her cover of... Uh, Rolling Stone's Beast of Burden, which was a big hit for her. It's also, uh, she also did a comedy album, and we're gonna, that's gonna end up coming into play in the film is that Brazier mm. song is from this album, Mud Will Be Flung Tonight. That was in 1985. And uh, then at this point in the 80s, she's doing a bunch of comedies leading up to beaches. She's doing Down and Out in Beverly Hills, Ruthless People. And coming off the comedy, she said, quote, everyone's talking over each other all the time, said Bette Miller. Gary Marshall apparently uh, really got her, and this whole project got her to slow down, um, as my mom used to say when I'd eat too fast. Holden, slow down. Does she still say that to you? Probably, yeah. I eat really fast. I'm very bad. You eat very, very fast. I've got a big fucking mouth. Um, I do love this quote <laughs> from Bette Midler. No, I'm still talking about this. We're talking about Bette Midler's my feminism. Big mouth, I like to shove them meats in it. <laughs> um, but when she was asked, has she always been a feminist? Because we're going to talk about girl bosses here. We know that Bette Midler is definitely among the rank of the best of them. Oh my god, did I just mansplain Bette Midler's career to everybody in the yes. world? Ugh, yeah, you did. How do you fucking Man, feel I about fucking it? I fucking hate it. She's I a feminist. Stop it. When she was asking about <laughs> being a feminist, she asked if she'd always been one. She said, yes, I have. My father had three girls and one boy, and the boy was developmentally disabled. My father was a very practical man. He'd say, you better learn to do something because you're not going to get married. And my mom would say, what do you want to get married for? This was in the 50s. So we were all raised independently. What they said was, you must learn to count on yourself. You can't be afraid to be alone. You must learn to support yourself. And when I read The Feminine Mystique in 1965, it changed my life. I don't think there's anything wrong with being a housewife. I think all work is honorable. Being a mother is fantastic. But if you have a passion for something and a talent for something, you should be able to follow your bliss. 
I love that. I love that. I love her. And before we get into the rest of the cast, I actually want to do a little pit stop here and talk about all girl productions. Because really, this is the team, even though we talked about the author of the book and the screenwriter and our director and bet, all girl productions is actually what made this project happen from book to film. I mean, they were the ones that, that, that spotted it and said, we want to do this as our first film for our production company. So All Girl Productions is, uh, it's Bonnie Bruckheimer, who of course uh, married to uh, what's Jerry, Bruckheimer. Jerry Bruckheimer, right? The famous oh, producer. Now oh. that, well, now they are divorced. Well, of course. Yeah, 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 oh yeah. my God, how many fucking flight attendants? What did he seat? do? What did that monster oh, know? Goodness. Oh my God, how many fucking <laughs> champagne rooms does that guy frequent? I hope that she was the one who was a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. I hope so, yeah. Um, but uh, regardless, uh, Bonnie started out as a producer's assistant in a couple of films in the 1970s, including The Rose, and in 1971, uh, which was in 1979, and that's where she met Bette, and they became her personal and professional assistant. So they just clearly had this really tight kismet relationship from that project on. In 1985, they formed the production company called All Girl Productions and brought in another woman named Margaret Jennings South. The name, of course, as I mentioned before, it's an ironic play on the misogyny of their business, the uh, uh, of the business. Uh, even Gary Marshall's referring to them as girls. It's like probably was even so prevalent. It was eye rolly, uh, ridiculous eye rolly back then. Their business model, which uh, Bonnie came up with, was we hold a grudge. I love this. Bette Midler Midler further explained it. She said, all the men were holding grudges. We were women, and we were going to hold a grudge, too. Yeah. Because it was just this constant push and pull of tension between men and women where there was no respect. More than anything, we wanted our respect. And what's crazy about all-girl productions, what I didn't realize about Beaches is that out pretty much out the gate, they sign a huge development deal with Disney. So Beaches is made by all-girl productions with the help of Disney, oh. which is also why they go on to make um, Ruthless People. They go on to make Outrageous Fortune, mm-hmm. Big Business. But then it also extends out to Hocus Pocus, oh. yes. which at the time so was, a, was a huge flop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it was like all of these, they, after Hocus Pocus, it was seemed of like a, maybe we should move away from Disney for a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, but that's crazy. So she, they are the producers of all of these in conjunction with Disney. Yeah. So Bonnie becomes this leading pioneer for women producers in the film industry. She also resuscitates Midler's acting career by uh, going into business with her. Because her big breakthrough right before Beaches, uh, her comeback was with Lily Tomlin in the film Big Business. Love as you it. Just mentioned. Bet said about their whole dynamic: Margaret is terrific with story and knows how to give a sto- give a story resonance and profundity. And Bonnie's field of experience is dealing with all these disparate elements: who's available, who wants what kind of money, what the logistics are, the locations, that sort of thing. So we all sort of complement each other. So Bonnie does all the work. And uh, no, straight up, <laughs> honestly though, Bette Midler does essentially say that. I was reading, I read a couple different interviews when they're like, "So, Bette, what do you do?" And she's like, "Well, you know, I am Bette Midler," and <laughs> she makes no bones about the fact yeah. that Bonnie is the workhorse of yes. the two of them. But she is, she is CC Bloom. She is the creative. Also, she is yeah, the one. I mean, doing things like getting into rooms and stuff is kind of important. Yes. Yeah, and she does talk about how 
working on actual film, when the film's actually rolling, she's yeah. answering a lot of questions. She is hammering down details with the director in that producer role as well as that acting role. But yes, Bonnie is like doing most of the work. Uh, all right, so getting back to the rest of the cast, let's talk about Barbara Hershey. She was born in Hollywood. She always wanted to be an actress from a young age, but was very shy to the point that people thought she was deaf at school. Her high school drama coach helped her get an agent, and at the age of 17, she got a role in Sally Field's television series, Gidget, which led to more TV work. And uh, while shooting a Western called Heaven with a Gun, she began dating David Carradine, which would take her whole relation, whole identity in a different direction. Of course, there's so much of this like older man, young ingenue shit going on uh, in an unhealthy manner, especially back then. While shooting the film last summer, she had to throw a seagull into the air over <laughs> her. All right, oh, Jackie. No. It's very sad, Jackie. You would giggle about it like that. It's just, just very, it makes me I know you're just like, So you're like, no, 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 don't. Well, she did don't it, do it again. again and again and again, and the bird died. And on the oh, last, no. so on, that, uh, on the very last take, the bird died. So she changed. Oh, my God. But then, no, what the fuck? Then it, then listen to this, though. Because of that, she was so traumatized by that, she changes her stage name to Seagull. No! This kind of ruins her career for a little while. Wait, her yes. first name? Yeah, she changed her just her stage name as Seagull. She was just, just, just Seagull? Just Seagull. She oh was so God. affected by this moment. It, ru- it completely fucks <laughs> it her career up. It lives on. It com- the Seagull never the died. Seagull, the Seagull lives the Seagull, in her. The Seagull got its revenge. It completely <laughs> fucked her whole oh career up. Oh my God. This uh, is a lot. She spent her entire, the entire 1970s just trying to get out from <laughs> under David Carradine's shadow and also be like, uh, I'm not actually this hippie, ridiculous. I'm sorry, I'm just singing Wind Beneath My See, Wings. Over yeah, here. she was trying to unwind beneath Carradine's wings, yeah, essentially. Bro. And she comes back in a big way in the 80s, starting with the film The Stuntman, and was in big hits like yeah. The Right Stuff. The Natural. Um, she moves her and her son to Manhattan. Uh, she's almost immediately cast in the fucking uh, canceled ass Woody Allen's film, but it's such a good fucking movie, and she's so good in it. Called Hannah and Her Sisters. It's a very good movie. It's probably one of my favorite. Was it's one of my favorite. It's okay. You don't have to talk about. It. We don't have to talk about. It right I just love Hannah. She's so good in Hannah and Her Sisters, and that comes out in 1986. It goes on to win three Oscars. Gives her this carte blanche when it comes to movie roles in Hollywood. Uh, Hershey and Midler had only met once before at a party, but they did spend three weeks rehearsing and attempting to form that deep connection with each other. It does really suck because apparently, though, during her uh, testing, Midler didn't have time, so she left. So while she was testing for the part, she did the scene with Gary Marshall's assistant. And my, she said, my agent told me I'd done the best of all the actresses, but the studio head said there was something missing between me and Bet. I said, did you tell him it was Bet? <laughs> uh, but she still ended up getting the job and obviously had terrific chemistry once they were on set. But I can't even imagine that. But what I do love is she didn't ask anyone. Are you about to talk about the lip injections? That she I, I literally, before you get into this, I didn't realize she was the same person as the person that was in Hannah and her sisters. And uh, like, she looks drastically different with these lip injections. She gets, so she didn't ask, but she was feeling um, a little self-conscious because she had to play her much younger self as well as her current age. So she went out and got herself lip injections. 
And Bonnie Bruckheimer said- I never realized she had lip injections. She said she didn't have the lips when she got the part. She showed up on the first day of shooting with them. We almost fainted (laughs) because they are- They're just very drastic. They're very, and she has very like, kind of, she has very- Subtle lips, I yes. will say. I don't before this. I didn't know they had lip injections in the eighties. I wonder what they put in her face. Yeah, that's the fluff. thing. I Marshmallow mean, fluff, oh. and then as it seeped out, she just got to lick Lip-loss. the sticky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, pro- it's fine. It, it really was. It really was so drastic because yeah, probably the, the science had not really gotten to the point where you could get subtle lip injections. It's just very, very and she yeah, that's not her thing. Like like she's not like a Julia Roberts where she's like known for her luscious lips. You know what I mean? Sure. And also, I don't really know how that equates to being young. Young, yeah, it made her look arguably older. older. But I think in general, <laughs> I would like you know. Yeah. I would be terrified to play someone 20 years younger sure. than me. I, 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 if you're going to cosmetically change yourself after accepting an acting job, you should probably, probably fucking run them. it by yeah. anybody. But I also, I think she sold herself as a younger person, like, uh-huh. and just by acting. Sure. Like, yes. She did a good oh, job. She, she didn't need to do, I mean, whatever. No. She's allowed to do whatever the fuck she wants yeah. with her face. Well, whatever. I think she's bad for it. Whoa. Yeah. So. My Bialik. Yeah, she's a woman in the world. She was a little girl, though, little and in girl. the movie. She is, um, watching it with Jeff, too, he had no, no idea that that was Blossom or whatever her name is in the Big, Bang, Big Bang Theory. Oh, really? <laughs> I, was like, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, she's great, because also she was one of the few little girls that didn't have red hair that was up for it, so she didn't think that she was going to get it. And uh, she was, weirdly enough, the only person on set Gary Marshall will refer to as a woman. Oh, I mean, I get it. She carried herself as such. <laughs> See, she, now that's a woman. That's what he would say. Uh, over uh, she <laughs> was. Mayhem was, born, <laughs> Mayhem was born in 1975, grew up in California, and her first role was on the Beauty and the Beast TV show in 1987. So really soon after, she's going to get beaches. She then gets the role in uh, The Facts of Life. Webster and the horror film Pumpkinhead. This all happens in 1988. Crazy. And I love it. The producer, Nick Abdo, says she was so raw, but we really wanted her because she looks so much like Bette. Bette didn't think she looked like her, by the way. And I love that uh, she talks about shooting the scene under the boardwalk and she didn't know how to light a cigarette. It's very cute. It's very cute. So her mom was underneath the boardwalk with her lighting the cigarette and trying to show her how to puff in on the cigarette. So they were using a real cigarette? They were using an Uh, herbal cigarette. Yeah, but it is really such a striking early moment in the film, this little little girl smoking a cigarette. cigarette. Really, really As someone that also smoked cigarettes for many a year but had to smoke those herbal cigarettes in a play once, they are worse than regular cigarettes. Like, they hurt more. They they hurt so bad. I guess fake cigarette technology has come a long way because now they make things that just make smoke come out of them. Yes, yes, yes. but it is cute just because you can tell she has no idea how to smoke it. Yes. She's holding it funny. And- yes. Which is also, though, how I imagine a girl a of would smoke, 11 yeah. <laughs> would be smoking. She's trying to be cool. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. trying to look a certain way. I also think it's fun, too, because that is why. So apparently, Maya Bialik was um, a dancer, was actually was in school for dancing. So... But and she also was a great singer, but she wasn't classically trained. So Bette Midler wanted her to sound more like her. So they had someone else singing, like a child oh, really? that was classically trained, as well as the they had a choreographer come in and do the scene to teach her this like it, intense choreography for it. Maya Bialik learned it, 
And then Bette Midler, which I love because she was a producer, came and was like, no, no, no. I want her to be a kid. Yeah. So yeah. you're going to, so she choreographed that dance herself and showed it to, so like they had really good, like, hangout experience cool. that Bette Midler wanted her to still be a kid. So that she was wasn't like important. a professional dancer. She was right. like with, you know, kind of like a lower income family, just like figuring out how to make the dance moves happen. Yes. I wouldn't know anything about that. Rack and swim club. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right, Hillary. Hillary. We know. <laughs> and I do love too that apparently when Mayim Bialik was young and would rewatch the movie, she couldn't handle it because there's one scene where she doesn't catch the boa when she's dancing and she was a perfectionist mm. and they wanted to keep that in the movie because she's a kid yeah. and that's part of it. And Mayim Bialik as a kid was just like, I would have caught it. I don't, I can't <laughs> handle it. And I yeah. think that that's also really cute. That sounds right. The uh, actress Marcy Leeds end up, uh, is who played the young Hillary. She was also a child actress who had appeared in the film Silver Screen before this. Didn't really go on to continue to act, so whatever. She's a surgeon now. Whatever. Oh, She's not up on the oh. Hollywood Walk of Fame, yeah, so I boo. want her to shoot her out she, of a cannon into the moon. The, apparently, she's a surgeon who helped treat Arizona Representative Gabby Giffords after the 2011 assassination attempt on her life. Uh, well, oh, well, I guess she's I'm not going to be fine. snooty about that, I guess. Snoot, you snoot. You've backed me in a corner, so I guess I'll have yeah, to say not right, whatever. Hillary. Wow, that's a crazy connection. <laughs> right? That's what that's I was. Like, that's, that's what we get when we do the little, little factoids yeah. you find out. Wait, where's the bird? Oh, there's the bird. bird. Uh, John, speaking of birds, John Hurd rhymes with bird. He was He's fantastic as the theater director. He falls who falls for both of the ladies. He acted in New York doing things like Shakespeare in the Park and got into the film biz in the 80s, starring in stuff like Judd and After Hours, oh, awesome so New York movies. He also played Tom Hanks' character's nemesis in the film Big the same year as... Beaches. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about I know, that. Right? Yeah. It's so hard to see him as a bad guy after this movie where he does come off pretty... Ge- and I think this is the character, and Spalding Gray's character, who Gary Marshall is referring to as like, guys that were a little less just black and white terrible in a movie She like really this. fucks him. Yeah. Like, that sucks. Yeah. She doesn't even Hillary? say... No, um, I'm sorry. I just jumped in. Cece doesn't even say uh, goodbye Spalding, Spalding to Gray. the man that oh, she was I know. engaged. The, the that, mean, that is yeah. fucking... That is, uh, and the fact she makes Hillary tell him... It's so awful. Uh, We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn that thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Um, I do want, sorry, little pivot. Um, you know when she's singing like, a doctor, a doctor, Marion, a doctor. doctor. Yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, which we will be introduced later on with the soundtrack, Mark Shaman, who, yes. who made the soundtrack, um, wrote that song for his sister Joyce's wedding for his mother because his sister was marrying a doctor. Oh. And the scene... That's the cute. the song is very long, and there's one point which did make me think of as um, someone that is scared about getting a vaccine is that they the in the joke the joke of the song is about how you'll never have to like get a prescription ever again. My my son in law is a doctor. Yeah. Everything it's like oh do you need to get punched or like <laughs> do you need to get the vaccine? Go see my son in law. He's a doctor, <laughs> and um, it's very cute. That is oh, very that cute. is cute. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I roll quick uh whenever okay so the scene where she is become she's starring in the new falcon player show with uh what's his name john hurt's character uh and they do that musical bit i love that scene and i'm you know like industry charity faith i love it Uh the one with all wearing masks i love it it. so weird and great he went was watching it with me he's like what is this so stupid (laughs) no it's not and i was like uh you know this is exactly what you and I have been making for like 20 years, right? Yeah. Like, th- you hate this because I think maybe subconsciously you know this is what and like our every, work yeah. is. Everybody like, who like went to New York to be an actor or whatever ended up in a show like that. Yeah, all the avant-garde. It's like, that's what <laughs> yeah. we loved. Yeah, Remember yeah. all of the weird art we used to make? Yes, that's yeah. all gone. Now Completely. we just think about like careers and other things. Yeah, totally. I, technically we are, Henry and I are also, we are CC Blue in that apartment when she sold out that's also us so maybe that is why he's mad he's like looking back and being like oh I remember when I was legit in the theater (laughs) um so I, yes, uh, going back to Spalding Gary really quick, who played that sad, sad doctor. Uh, I would have married him. Um, he Horrible. co-founded the theater company, The Wooster Group, in the 70s and got notoriety for his monologue work, especially the piece he wrote called Swimming in Cambodia. That was where his big start. So again, John Hurd and Spalding Gray, both like legit New York theater people, New York avant-garde scene people. Well, this is part of the conversation when I really did watch it with a different eye of thinking of this movie as written for share or like it like uh-huh. with that idea but i think that also it's coinciding with watching alan v farrell which we're not going to get into oh, right. but the idea of new york fixtures yes Beth midler is a new york fixture it's a cool I, thing to be i made a joke <laughs> with jeff i've asked him multiple times stoned off my gourd like surprised that he never went through a bet midler phase i didn't under <laughs> i'm like you never and he's like why would i have but i get that besides the fact of that you know whatever uh of the people thinking that bet midler isn't for them i forget <laughs> that we grew up in queens yeah. so New in New Yorkers, Bette Midler does have a place for all of us, like the Woody Allen, like like all of that, because she was New York. Totally. She was theater. And I think that it really did make sense for her specifically to have this character. Because she also has the brashness as long as well as the syrupy sweet that I feel like Cher is more brash than she is genuine sometimes uh-huh. when it comes to the idea of a character. Yeah. Bet's, but maybe I'm looking too far no, into I it. No, I has got, got a certain amount. No, Cher's got that like, 
stone cold energy. It's the blunt energy that you want in a, in that kind of friend and in that kind of and want to be in a lot of ways. That strength whereas bet I feel like demonstrates a certain amount of almost like clumsiness and vulnerability yes, that, that makes that her makes so you human. Why you love her? Yeah, mm-hmm. because you feel like you'd be her friend. Yes, because like even though she's so her. selfish, you st- like she still loves you with her whole heart. Right, right. And I love that about her. I also do want to get to do because I did look up. What a stinger is because oh, she, she drinks, drinks him the, whole time. Yeah. the entire time. And so I found this blog. So apparently Cary Grant drinks stingers in some big movie, but I like the bloggist don't know that movie. And she's like, I know stingers from beaches. Let me just say, I'm such a big fan of hers. I've seen the movie several times. Her cocktail of choice, a stingers. So ever since this eighties chick flick, I've wondered what a stinger is. Ugh, a stinger is a sweet after dinner drink that can be served on the rocks or straight up. I prefer the rocks because it's such a sweet cocktail. It's two liqueurs, creme de menthe and brandy. (laughs) And so it's just that. And so she's like, a double of one of those. Give me a double stinger. Keep them coming. Uh, Can you imagine? Just filled with creme de menthe and brandy. So apple. I'm guessing an apple brandy and creme. I'm sure that it would be delicious as like a little cocktail after a meal. I mean, like a sip. It was really good brandy. Yeah, it was really good brandy. But I was just like. Wow, I can't imagine being upset and just slamming yeah. a bunch of creme de menthe. <laughs> God, that throw. Just like so drinking bad. straight peach schnapps yeah. for hours. I had an experience with that, which is why I don't drink peach schnapps I think anymore. we all did as teens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime I take, if I take a sip of a drink and there's peach schnapps, and I'm like, I'm sorry. I, it's one of the few things I will have to just turn can't down. can't do it. Um, I will say a little factoid about that cottage. Cottage, oh! cottage number 13. <laughs> Thank you. The cottage where those ending scenes of the film are done lives in Crystal Cove's historic district in Crystal Cove State Park in California. You can still go there. It looks like they, so it was built by six couples back in the late 1920s. They all fucked. They all fucked in it and sucked in it. Why was it six couples specifically? Well, they were apparently all campers that decided, hey, we want to stay here. We like this place. We want to fuck in this. We want to fuck in a house instead of on the sand. I'm sick of getting sand all (laughs) on my dirty pussy. I need to get it, and in my big asshole, what I need to. What is happening? Is beaches? <laughs> I said the f word twice up top. <laughs> so, yeah, they're like we're sick of sucking and fucking and getting all sand all over it. So they built a house, and then the house got so wet that it yeah, broke. Yeah, and then they went away to another see. house. Hell yeah. yeah, they built another. No, it wasn't the ocean that did it. And they yeah. built another house. <laughs> um, I uh, I was wondering about this because. You can't usually just have a home directly on the beach for one, for practicality reasons, and two, because it would cost like, it's like prime real estate. It would cost like $12 billion to have that property, but it does still exist. And now it's like, uh, I I don't know if they've actually done this, but the article I read, this was from years ago. That's an Airbnb. It's an Airbnb now? Because it said it was being renovated into a uh, film museum and like it is. It's called the Beach's Cottage, but that's awesome. It's I Airbnb. I want to go to it. Yeah, yeah it'd be amazing. Go. It looks great. Like it looks like such a cozy getaway. Yeah. Absolutely. And she died there. And she died in oh, it. So you I get to be, be there. Like, oh. We don't know. She technically, she might not have died there. Mm. Maybe she died in the car on the way home. <laughs> she could have. I hope. Yeah. Let's pack her in. I want her to die on the I five. 
<laughs> uh, do you have anything else about the filming before we talk about the soundtrack, Jackie? Nah, let's let's jump into that track. <laughs> let's get bro. into it. Well, let's start with "Wind Beneath My Wings." Of course, the the most important song on the soundtrack, written by Jeff Silbar and Larry Henley, and it came from a poem that Henley had written about his ex-wife. Yeah, so it wasn't written for the movie. It yeah. was something that was written years before. So, oh really? When the mm-hmm. two got together to write a song for Bob Seger, Silbar saw the title written on Henley's legal pad, and it inspired him to write a song which included none uh, of the other texts from the poem that included you're a bitch wind and the wind cheated on me with my own accountant so fuck you wind I will say that I saw this in Holden's notes and I was like wait a second because he said he read a poem about his ex-wife. So. Uh, it was, but also <laughs> it was a concept born from the poem he had written. But um, Jeff Silbar, who wrote it, loved the concept because he was also learning to become a pilot at the mm. same time. So he thought that talk about charisma. He thought that it meant something, and um, so they start. They started slamming it out. He said, "Oh, so like his airplane wing, his yes. pl- plane wing." Said usually we would write the chorus first, but with this song, we started from the first line of the verse. Mm. One by one, the lines came in a spontaneous way and had a stream of consciousness flow to it. By the end of that day, we had finished writing most of the song. Yeah. That's it. That's all it took. The song Never was recorded. Had sunlight in her by, face. This, it was recorded by a few different <laughs> singers before uh, it got to bet. First by Australian artist Colleen Hewitt in 1982. Later, Lou Rawls, Gladys Knight and the Pips, and more tried it out. Uh, but it was picked by, we mentioned before, Mark uh, Scheiman. Um, Midler's music arranger at the time uh, and while searching for a song to do the film Shyman always had loved this song wanted to use it in some way he ends up playing the song for Midler Bonnie Brockheimer and Gary Marshall uh, the director Shyman said I sang with my back to them because the piano was facing the other way when I turned around they were all awash in tears that song spot was locked from that moment on I will say that is why Bette Midler didn't want it in the movie. So, of course, that they were pushing for an original song so that it could be up for an Oscar nomination. And Mark Shaman wanted the chance to write that song. But what did Bette have to say about it? She said, I don't think there's anything wrong with sentimentality. Is it mawkish? I don't think so. I think it's human. Wind Beneath My Wings was a country song at first. and I didn't want to sing it because I thought it was too sentimental. But what changed her mind? Midler recalled her friend and songwriter Mark Shaman telling her, if you don't sing this song, I'll never speak to you again. (laughs) (laughs) And there we have it. So she sings the song. Midler also (laughs) said, it's really grown on me. When I first heard it, I said, I'm not singing that song. But the friend who gave it to me said, as you said, if you don't sing, I'll never speak again. So, of course, I had to sing the damn song. Whatever reservations I might have had, I certainly don't have anymore. I also think there's something about it not being her singing it uh like on camera like the just being over yeah, the scene I makes, it really, makes it yeah it makes it because i love that she they ended with the story of love yes. in that slow version because that makes me cry almost as much yeah. as the other one it's beautiful oh, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that actually definitely got me more that moment and, and it was none of those songs actually that was released as the hit, hit single from the soundtrack. What is it about Under the Boardwalk that our oh, parents no, our parents can't get over that Can song? Can I just throw it out there? I don't really give a fuck about it's that song. It's kind of a cheesy song. And, it, and I feel like I heard it so much growing up. It was like every time we went to the beach. It's a great it song. Sure. Played, yes. But it's a little cheesy. It's such a mom and dad song. It's such I'm not I'm just going to go ahead and say Under the Boardwalk's kind of slimy. A I don't really want to be under yeah. that. Talk about campers fucking making oh. a wet cat 
Oh. Seriously. Wheeze. Oh, brother, may I? He's That's fucking, what I always say fucking when I'm under there. Oh, no, I disgusted myself. Oh, God. What is happening right now? But um, <laughs> All right. But yeah, so Shyman, uh, Shyman, we should mention a little bit about him, the music supervisor for the film as well. It's as, nuts. I can't believe I had not heard of this person before. Yeah, he's He has been prolific. Oscar nominated seven times. And he, for Mary Poppins Return, Sleepless in Seattle, Patch Adams, one. First Wives Sister Club, Act. American oh. President, South Park, Bigger, Longer, yes. None. <laughs> which is one of my favorite musicals of all time. I love South Park. The Bigger, Adams longer, Family, uh, When He's Harry Met Sally. Two Tony Awards oh, for Hairspray. Yeah. He wrote yeah, all, yeah, Hairspray, like, yeah. Hairspray, the musical. All of the, like, almost the all of the music for yeah. Hairspray. He's ridiculous. I'm surprised that we don't know him. I know. He's it. absurd. And he started out in theater and cabaret as a musical director. He then worked on SNL for a very long time before he became Bette Midler's right-hand man and went on to do all these fucking movies, man. And uh, yeah, it's kind of incredible. His his life is um, as as a music arranger, music director is unbelievable. And and then out of this, the song won Grammys for Record of the Year and Song of the Year in 1990, and it was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Art Direction. That's what also, the movie was. Uh, art, and it is the art direction is fucking great in and, this movie. And also Taylor Swift won Album of the Year in the 2021 Grammys for oh, her album Folklore. Interesting. It's just like so Wind Beneath My she's Wings. Very, very, she's on the line, a level. Some would say. Uh, the song about the German inventor of the brassiere titled Otto Titzling was co-written by Bette Midler and was already put out in 1985 on her comedy album that I mentioned before, Mud Will Be Flung Tonight. I love that she did this like comedy vaudeville kind of nightclub kind of album. Hold I, think on, I just cool. don't understand why you got so judgmental about that the, mu- the musical Sizzle as a Hillary. <laughs> I really think that that was um, uncalled for. Yes. <laughs> I was so offended. I actually really loved that part. I, I that was loved really that part, but I will say that if I was at a body show and my husband was acting like that, I'd be like, done. Yeah, I don't want to be with I'm you. I'm over it. This with is what? so annoying. What, the, the, this is makes oh, you this a is gas? too much? Dude, I've seen, I'd, I'd start what? telling about the porn I watched. Yeah, and especially about. because it's you could tell she was a adapting his personality in that marriage yeah. because she wasn't like that before no. oh yeah. oh I'd have been like dude I saw a guy eat a fucking log yeah you know I mean? bro Shit or I saw well you're not a scat play and What's after all of this <laughs> yeah definitely talking about breasts and shit eating are pretty much on the same level <laughs> after all of this it wasn't taken well and I am very upset if there is something that I learned from doing this research I am mad that not everyone worships beaches the way that I do that apparently producer Margaret South says when the film was finished they were terrified to screen it for Disney's honchos because the stakes for their career were high Gary Marshall sat outside in his car she says but he had nothing to worry about. Apparently, David Hoberman, who was our Disney exec, a tough guy, fell on the floor and burst into tears at the end of the who, movie. I always hear these anecdotes. Who falls on the floor? I, oh, I did. I fell out. I was like, whoa. <laughs> it's just such a funny. I, we always hear this big reaction. It always involves someone falling to the ground, either screaming with laughter or crying. Whoa. I'm just like what that never slip, happens. You slip all over your tears. And <laughs> South says she never guessed the movie would endure as it has. 
She says, we didn't win any awards, but when I say that I worked on the movie, people notice. People love beaches. Yeah. It's a good movie. Yes. It's fun. It's great. And and uh, the film comes out in December 21, 1988. But yes, it was critically panned when it came out. Gene Siskel called it, quote, a, a much too mechanical tearjerker. Bullshit. Uh, and then, uh, and many cited it as a um, retread of tearjerkers from the 1940s and 1950s, which is interesting because I feel like we don't have that perspective because we didn't watch any of those movies they're referring to but apparently it was very it felt very um very much like a retread of movies that were popular a couple dec a few decades before but and it's so funny because we just none especially our generation maybe your your parents generation or our parents generation might have a different perspective that that might click with them but they, i didn't I mean, understand that also- at all it's like i our this parents goes weren't right alive in the 40s either, though. Right. It's so, that's just a. I don't it's funny. Like it. So, I guess there's a lot of movies that, yeah, we just never saw um, that they were t- saying this was um, annoying of. I've lost my ability to talk. So, don't <laughs> worry. We were able, our generation was able to be uh, floored by the television remake that <laughs> they decided to do. Oh. I have seen it before. <laughs> All right. And Adina Menzel is CC. Because the thing Nia is, along is Hillary. I love Adina Menzel. Sure. Okay. So, and I was like, is beaches, she, sign me up. I thought she was evil. No, no, no I'm thinking of the Glee girl is evil. Now. Yeah, no, she, yeah, no, Adina Menzel is never evil. She's only pure and wonderful. I love Adina Menzel and too. Hold Adina Menzel was her. terrified of taking on the role of CC Bloom. She said it's a beloved movie and the role and bet are amazing. It took a lot for me to even say yes. So this was in 2017. It, it was, was on Lifetime. Yeah, Lifetime, yeah. And what is cute is that Bette Midler tweeted out her support and said, can't wait to see Idita Menzel as Cece in Lifetime's Beaches. Don't tell me the ending! Which is kind of cute. <laughs> I love that. The The film is just 90 minutes long, and that is in a large part why it's criticized for being the whole their relationship being a bit too shoved into a tight amount of time, and therefore they couldn't really flesh things out, and we couldn't really get the feeling that these people were really friends with each other. Jackie, would you agree? Yes. I just, I'm not... Did you see it too? I saw, I saw, I saw enough of it. <laughs> they, they updated uh, it so that, that rather than being like under the boardwalk time period, it's set in like the 80s. And so they tried to update this story in a way that I appreciate that they tried to add in like racial issues as well. Mm. But again, taking already a half an hour off of, uh, of the story and adding in layers to it was not a good choice. It's right. just, it's the movie. It was directed by Gary Marshall and it starred Bette Mittler. I don't know why you would try to even tackle that. They like, just make a different movie. And you really, especially that, that yes. yeah. especially their lead single, which was, I don't understand people that aren't the same color as me. It just felt it, Yeah, wrong. I thought it was kind of fun. <laughs> um, but uh, Idina Menzel was very a... Very wordy, very mouthy chorus. <laughs> was a uh, wedding singer. So she said, Wind Beneath My Wings has just been a part of my whole life because that's the most sure. requested song because every little bar mitzvah boy would dance with his mom to it. So when I went into the studio to record... <laughs> Of course. That was the one time I actually wasn't as scared because it felt like I'd been singing this my whole life. Just do your thing. Channel bet. Then they put a more modern, updated production underneath. So I just went in there and I just did it. Could could you imagine having a Dina Menzel 
be your singer at your bar mitzvah or wedding. Oh like, God. unbelievable. I would have died. Um, well, don't worry. We will talk about that when, when we do our rent pop history. Sure. But we're not going to talk about it right now. I, I, this isn't a joke, but apparently a sequel based on the yes. novel Beaches 2, I'll Be There, <laughs> was planned Oof. with Barbara Eden but never filmed. Yes. But I will say Beaches 2 just is like, hilarious sounding. She's not dead! Like, <laughs> she's back. back. Just like digging it her It just up. becomes like a Mike Myers oh, thing. She just keeps coming after them and like trying to takes, get her revenge. It takes place in heaven and it's her. It's Barbara Hershey's character's heaven experience. Ooh, That'd be kind of cool. That would be kind of boring without CC. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Super boring. Uh, there was a musical adaptation uh, back in 2014. It never made its way to Broadway. I have a couple of finishing quotes to close us out. What about you, girls? Oh, oh no! <laughs> uh, I, I, all I really wanted to say is that Bette Midler is so good in this movie. Like, she's great. Just really watching her performance this time because I've seen it so many times. She just crushes it. She's so she's so charismatic and, and wonderful. It's hard to imagine somebody else doing that part. Yeah, I would be nothing without you. Um, Marshall, oh. Gary Marshall said this about women. Oh no! Yes, Gary Marshall <laughs> no. had this to say about women. It was really about how women fight. You know, I always say men fight and they don't talk to each other for 20 years or they kill each other. Women fight, say terrible things to each other, and an hour later they make up and go shopping. Ugh. I think they, <laughs> oh, no. I think they got the better idea of how it should be done. It's old school, uh, but also I, I'm not closing on that. I'm closing on Rainer Dart's uh, quote, uh, the author of the book. To me, that's the theme of every book I write. Meaningful human contact. Everything else is unimportant. In the Talmud, it says... When you speak from the heart, you penetrate the heart. So if I tell a story that moves me, it's going to probably move you. Because at the bottom, we all want the same thing. I just wish I had some sort of spear to put through your heart at the end of you saying that. <laughs> oh, yeah, you want me to penetrate it? <laughs> but you're penetrate yours. Oh, like, oh, my God, my heart has been penetrated, too. you ever know that you're, <laughs> you're my, my hero. You're everything. All right, that's been our episode on beaches. We hope you beaches enjoyed it. Thank you so much for joining us. You can check us out at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash page it never, Honestly, it never gets old. Never I think it's old. very funny. I uh, kept it all week. I kept chuckling myself thinking about <laughs> how it could have been beaches. that. Um, yeah, and catch me twitch.tv forward slash hold Nader's ho. Catch me outside. Remember catch that? Catch me outside. I just said that today. Doing a stream. Really Why are Twitch.tv forward slash Holden So Fridays at 6 p.m. ET, Jackie and I have a fun old party on there. What are you ladies, you women, yeah, you I'm not grown women to that about? ever. You can come do um, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, uh, my new show on LPN just came out. Someplace yeah, underneath. Yeah, it's about missing it women. Out. And you can follow that on Instagram and TikTok. And, uh, We'll probably do some Twitch, too. Me and Amber Nelson. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And my name is Jackie. I am a robot. I've never cried at beaches. And you can follow me on Instagram at Jack. That were. All right. Oh, my God. She's a cyborg. Oh, God. She's killing us. We have to go.
This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.